if you want to know exactly what is happening in America's schools and with American education, the next 30 minutes will send chills down your spine. And if you have children or grandchildren, if you're an aunt or an uncle, or if you just have friends raising children today, the next few minutes may change your life. Last week, America Speaks gave 15 parents just like you the chance to speak about the challenges of raising children in the difficult world we live in. This week, our focus is education. Nothing matters more to our communities, our country, or our future. So my question is, are our children learning what they need to know to succeed in college, career, and life itself? Are they receiving the necessary skills, problem solving, team building, and critical thinking to separate fact from fiction? Are teachers teaching and most importantly, are students learning? I'm Dr. Frank Luntz, and you're listening to the latest installment of America Speaks right here on Straight Arrow News. So let's get started. Are your schools, yeah. you all raise your children? Are, your, are the schools helping you keep your children safe and healthy? Anybody? Carla? Yes. Um, in short, uh, my nine-year-old experienced bullying, and I didn't know for months really about this until one day the teacher finally called me and let me know. And just as the others have said, I mean, when you say safety, you know, there's emotional and physical safety. My son is nine-year-old, so the safety concerns are not so much physical, but emotional and just the cruelty of kids and the limited actions taken by the school is really concerning. And we as parents cannot be in the school grounds because especially after COVID, the doors are closed to you. Very little volunteer opportunities or opportunities to spend time in the school, even when you want to be very proactive. For me, I wanted to talk to the parents of the other child that my son was having some conflict with, uh, was being bullied by. They don't even give you the name and the phone number of the other parents because of privacy concerns. So you really are limited. I mean, and you really wonder, like, do I teach my child martial arts so they defend themselves, you know, and it's kind of like tooth by tooth? Or, I mean, you give them, emo again, this emotional and more intellectual tools so they can encounter challenge in people that are not of the same values uh, and respect that you exercise at home. But it is very, you find yourself really alone as a parent when you have these type of situations. And, and the level of aggression and cruelty of kids is like she said, you know, the cotton cotton picking. I mean, the things that kids say. I mean, I was I was really um, surprised to see nine year olds using certain level of language and the derogatory terms against each other is really concerning. The lack of kindness and just basic respect for humanity that children have these days. Jason, you want to speak? Uh, yes, one of the things that prompted us to homeschool is when our oldest child was in elementary and kindergarten, she tried to sneak on a friend's bus. They were bus. And the bus driver's like, oh, you don't belong in this bus. And they just kicked them off, but they didn't notify anybody. So then our kid just started walking to a, a mall near the school. And when she didn't get off the bus, we didn't know what happened because no one said anything. And so then my wife went driving out towards the school and just saw her walking down the street. You know, she was five years old. And wow. so we had a discussion about that. Yeah, a discussion about the best way 
to educate them if the basic security things aren't going to be taken mm-hmm. care of. And that's kind of the incident we had that prompted our change in education. I think the teachers union is too powerful and the focus is on protecting the teacher and giving the teacher more benefits. And there's a lack of concern on actually educating anymore. Um, That's what I've seen. And when I've gone to school board meetings, I just think that we have to get back to the basics and we have to have higher standards for teachers. We have to have higher standards for kids and we, we have to let the teachers teach. And I'm sure all of us have seen stories of students attacking teachers in various parts of the country, fighting them over their cell phones, punching them, macing them, and teachers are quitting because, yeah, teachers need to be held accountable, but also so do students of what they do as well. That's uh, part of the reason I've left public education. Um, I am a teacher. I am hearing everything that I'm, you're over here, Laura and Becky and Jason and Stephen. I am hearing, and, and Patrick, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to leave you out there, Patrick. I am hearing them high wide. I mean, I'm hearing them high wide and handsome, as we say here in Alabama. Absolutely. They are absolutely right. I, I, I've, ha- I've felt like I wasn't even able to talk to some of my students about what true history, I'm a history teacher. Uh, and I have a PhD in education. I can't even teach anymore because I'm scared to death of, am I going to say something wrong? And that's one of the reasons I've left. And it, my daughter is at a private school and we're, we're not having to deal with a lot of the issues. We know the parents. I get two or three emails a day from the teacher. And that's one of the things that I, that, that's specifically why I did this, why I'm paying this, why I'm working three jobs right now so that she can go to that school and I'm able to have that connection with her fellow teacher, with, with uh, her teacher. I mean, why? so I, I'm, a, I'm a teacher as well. And so I, I have, a um, you know, that split perspective as a parent and, and, and as an educator, I think one of the things that is really wrong with our kids is that they've grown up too fast. You know, when I was growing up and, um, and everything, we had to make our own fun. We had to do things like we didn't have the, you know, we had a TV, but you know, if you didn't have cable, you had a little bit of channels that you got over with the rabbit ears. You know, we didn't have YouTube and all these different social medias and everything. We had to make our own fun. And these kids now are growing up so fast. I see it, I see it personally with my own three kids. You know, they were working phones at a year, two years old. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. You just got here. I've been, you know? Um, And I think, you know, and that's filtering into, that's filtering into the classroom as well. We want kids to build their intellectual, their intellectual stamina. But a lot of the times it's, okay, pick up this device, Go on this um, this edtech website um, and you know do this blended learning lesson where and and they're not really getting the opportunity to think to work together. Um, a lot of it is just you know it's independent you know it's independent 
and these kids don't know how to talk, don't know how to talk to each other. One, because everything is typed and everything's in shorthand because of because of text messages. They don't know how to talk to each other. And that's where all the conflict, a lot of conflict and everything is coming from because they don't know how to interact with each other face to face. Um you know, in a group setting, in a one-on-one setting, because everything is so is so tech technological. And I get it, it's the it's the way of the world now. That's where the world is headed. But kids need to learn how to talk to each other. They need to learn how to play with each other. And just sticking them in front of a screen of and you know, for the majority of the day is not helping. It's at, it's 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 really a detriment and a crutch to them. We all know how it felt at the moment we opened up our report cards, particularly when we didn't do as well as we expected. But grading students is essential in holding kids and their teachers accountable. So right here at America Speaks, we ask parents to grade the schools across the country. Warning to listeners, it's not going to feel great at all. In fact, the results are abysmal. Let's listen. I want you by show of hands to grade at the education system right now in the country, not necessarily your kids, but education overall, what kind of job are those responsible for teaching your children and for your children learning? Who would give the education system an A in this country? Raise your hands. One of you. Okay, Patrick, I will go to you in a moment because you're alone. Who would give this education system the schools a B? None of you. Patrick, you are really alone. <laughs> who, who would give it a C? Average. Only one. Oh, my God. So we got two of you, three of you. Who gives it a D? Say a D? Yeah. D. And who gives education in this country an F? Okay. I am going to start with a positive, and then I'll go to the negative. <laughs> Patrick, you see you're the only parent who thinks it's an A. Why are your kids having the best possible education when everybody else is doing badly? I, good luck, I suppose, good fortune. Um, I think a large part of it is uh, we're blessed with a school and a local uh, school district where the parents are very actively involved in the school. And I think that happens more often than not. I think that happens more often than gets reported throughout the country. And so, you know, your question, Frank, was how are schools overall in the country doing? And I think you can look at schools in every state in this country and you're gonna find a lot of success stories. And obviously you're gonna have, you know, some, some negative stories too, but I think media being media, they're getting the lion's share of attention. Three of you gave the education system in America an F, failure. Becky, why is it so bad in this country? So I want to separate my comments and say that I'm saying the education system, not all educators, because I think that is a big difference. Um, but I think the system in general is an F, because if you look across the country, um, we are losing ground amongst in industrialized nations. Um, the kinds of information kids were learning um, when I was growing up, um, they, they aren't reading at the same grade level they aren't doing the math. Some kids are, there are opportunities. And I think that there are kids who are driven and who, who are committed and have parents that are very engaged can do well um, in, in school systems. But by and large, I think we are seeing um, a national decrease in really quality education. 
We are definitely seeing a decrease in discipline and control and accountability in the classroom across the nation. Um, we are also seeing a definite decrease in mental health in students starting as little as five years old um, all the way through high school. So in those three areas, they've all taken a downturn. Kids are not using critical thinking skills. They're they're putting feelings over fact. And that's because that's what the school system is encouraging. Kids, um, I've had kids come to our school board meeting the last eight months to talk about their feelings and to threaten school board members because they want a certain policy put in place because it makes them feel better. Um, most of the arguments are not rational. They're all emo emotional based because that's what they're getting rewarded with in the school Wesley, system. Wesley, why do you think the schools are failing in America? No, oh, well, in my case, it's three letters. CPS, Chicago Public Schools. Uh, there, I wish I had the numbers in front of me, but they did a, uh, there, there was a survey, not a survey, it was a, a report that the majority, especially on the South side, reading, writing, and arithmetic were in the single digit percentages of kids being able to uh, work at grade level. Okay. So single digits, that's, I'm sure somewhere in the country, there are decent school systems and kids are learning, but Chicago is pulling everyone down. And I'm sure other major cities are doing the same thing. EJ, Y and F. Because as someone who's been in the classroom for 10 years right now, I'm, I have watched a precipitous decline in the critical thinking skills of my students since 2008. We have, a, we have a system of education that is teaching kids what to think, not how to think. We have handed them a dumbed down curriculum in this country, which is not challenging them. We now have colleges and universities, University of Wisconsin, I believe it was Stevens, which is now, which debated two years ago, even before COVID, whether or not they were going to teach history. We have kids who are now coming into my classroom, sophomore, junior, seniors in high school, community college, community college, freshmen, sophomores that do not fundamentally understand what this country is. I actually had a class of 42 students one time, and I point blank asked, uh, point blank said every single word of the preamble of the Constitution, but left the word Constitution out. And the only person, now the where I was teaching, these are kids coming out of homes that are five, six, seven hundred thousand dollar homes. And so these are not these are not economically disadvantaged kids. Of all of those kids in that classroom, one of them got it right, and she was an immigrant. She was the only one to know the preamble of the Constitution of the United States, because and I think a lot of it has to go with the, with two things. Teachers are not getting support from parents because a lot of parents are seeing a lot of parents are saying, well, my kid always made A's. Well, that may be wonderful, but that doesn't mean that they're they're at that level right now. Quentin, you're a teacher as well as a parent. What do you see? And you're from D.C. Sure, you're from the nation's capital. What do you see about education? And I, I don't care which way you perceive it, either as a parent or a teacher. But what's your comments or what's your reactions to what you're hearing? Um, I, I agree with EJ, EJ 100%. There, we're not teaching our kids how to think. We're teaching them how to bubble in an answer. We're teaching them how to check this box on a test. 
was teaching them how to just to not think critically, but not teaching them how to think critically, how to deduce what the answer would be and, and be able to explain how you got to that answer. And in, in, in a lot of ways, we're dumbing, we're dumbing our students down. Um, because if our student, because if this generation is dumber, we can pay them cheaper. Is anyone else here an educator? So I know EJ is and Quinn is an educator. Carla, I'm, yeah. explain it now, either from a, a mom's perspective or a teacher's perspective. Do you agree with what EJ and Quentin had to say, or do you have a different experience? Well, just to kind of give context, I am a part-time professor at a university. So I don't teach, I teach young adults, right, and, and university. I, I agree with certain things in terms of the quality of the education. And I speak as an immigrant coming from a developing country. I mean, the writing, the critical thinking in papers, all of that is missing for sure. The ability to have responsibility, good work ethic in the classroom, keeping up with the work, responsibilities, being organized, all of those things are really concerning when I have my you know, freshman to senior year in college, uh, university. So I agree with some of that. Um, you know, the big question I have many times is where are the parents? If the systems are failing us, where are we as parents, right? And that's kind of where I, me, I, I talk to my students, not just as a professor, but I tell them I have a full-time job where most of my life lives, not so much in my teaching uh, assignment. And I tell them my job here is not just to educate you, it's to prepare you to be a professional, to be able to function in a work setting. So my classroom is not treated just as a place of indoctrination. It's, it's, it's like a boot camp to get you ready to work one day and be successful. So I, I do see some of the things that you say, but my big question is if the system is failing my children, I'm not letting them sit down with the system. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just try my hardest till my last breath so my kids are successful. And that leads to the next question. A lot of teachers watch these focus groups. A lot of teachers are interested in what parents have to say. What advice would you give your own children's teachers that will make your own children better adults? Laura, I'm going to start with you. Just to prepare them for actual, you know, problem solving, you know, like some of the other parents said, you know, they're, they're preparing them to pass a test or to fill in a bubble, but they actually don't really even understand what the problem is that they're trying to solve. Um, you know, I've even struggled. I'm a college educated person doing my son's third grade common core. You know, there's, there's certain ways that you have to do it, but we need to teach them there are maybe multiple ways of doing it and it can be right no matter how you do it, as long as you get the correct answer. Eric from Florida, what would you tell your teachers? I just, to, just, just to listen and keep challenging them. My, my eldest who's eight years old, uh, she's very smart, but I, I kind of think that she's a little bit lazy. I'm saying this and hope she doesn't see this and get, get mad at me at some time. But um, I know I always tell her, and I even tell my five-year-old as well, it's just as important to be smart. I mean, just as important to be um, work hard and prepared is to be smart. A lot of times you can be very smart at something, but if you don't engage and, and, and challenge yourself and really work at something, you could be you could be a smart person, but working a terrible job or be in a terrible situation. So I want to make sure that her teachers know that, challenge them and make sure that they're working hard at what they're doing. Jason. 
Your children's teachers are listening to you right now. What is your message to them? Spend more time and energy encouraging the students who are trying to learn and who are doing good. What my wife and I have found was that the problem children, the 80-20 rule, they consume up most of the time and the energy of the teachers. And Carla was right. The third rail in education are parents. They vote for the school board and for everything else. So it's really hard for schools to say, you're not doing your job, your child's not prepared. The schools aren't designed to raise or discipline their kids, they're designed to teach them. And so I would just tell the teachers to just keep encouraging and try to focus more energy on the students who are learning, want to learn and who are doing well than the ones who are behavioral issues. So that seems to drain a lot of energy out of the classroom and they aren't getting support because school boards don't want to go against the parents. Okay, Patrick, go ahead and then I've got another question. I was going to say to teach those kids how to fish and don't teach to the test. Teach them how to engage in the thought process. Teach them how to problem solve and don't teach to a test. Don't teach to what they have to know on the IOWAs or the TCAP or whatever state test you all have. Um, teach them how to figure out how to problem solve. A number of our parents either homeschooled a child or put them in a private school. The big question, why? Why would parents give up a free education for the hassles of homeschooling or the massive expense of private school? Some of their answers will make you cringe. Let's listen in. Who here by show of hands homeschools at least one child? Okay, I gotta ask the two of you. You took your kid out of public education. Why was public education failing that child so much that you decided to homeschool them, Tammy and then Jason? Uh, my main reason is when COVID happened, the teacher's excuse for not addressing like the, the uh, bullying that was occurring to my child was that she's really busy. They have students that they're just passing through the system and just kind of uh, wasn't even willing to entertain a, a solution to the problem. So that was a big issue for me and that was it. Jason. Uh, the first issue I ran into was kind of like the nature of it is one size fits all. Um, my first daughter was reading well beyond kindergartner because my wife's a little bit of a tiger mom. And we were struggling to get her in reading with the age group appropriate, which was just, I think, second or third graders, which was two doors down from her. And it's like it was a struggle and fight just to get them to send them to that group to read at level. You know, and I felt I feel like the school system is not necessarily the teacher's fault are more rigid than ever. And it's much harder for them to be flexible and accommodating, except in a few circumstances, like say the high school I went to uh, in the DCA, which was a science and tech high school, where they're more geared towards being flexible, you know, and we also hate teaching to the test. And, and, and I felt that if your child is well-behaved, sometimes they can be ignored when children with poor behavior uh, consume the attention. And we have like, maybe 30% students with discipline problems in my daughter's elementary school. And I live next to a high school and it gets worse as they get older. So we just bit you the bullet. To, so you live next to a high school and you're still gonna homeschool your child? Definitely. You get to see the worst, stolen cars, kids smoking weed, skipping. There's no truant officers like when I was in school and there's no fear of parents because parents are working from home. Kids can't go home when they skip school. So now they mill around the neighborhoods and the malls 
because some parents are working from home, so they can't break out there. So we're having more problems there. The high schools where I live in general don't do well, um, especially the one that I live next to. So we're going to homeschool and probably start college courses around age 16. Any of you take your kids to private school? So they're not homeschool, but they're in the private school. So I want to understand why. So Becky and uh, EJ, why are your kids in private school and not public school? We've had them in private school at two different times. Um, when they were younger, we did because we were not on board with um, some of the focus of the public school. Um, we really wanted something that was more um, a school system that was aligned with our values. Um, when we moved tell across me, the country, we had... Tell me specifically. Um, so, schools yeah, we wanted a conserve. We wanted a conservative Christian, biblically based education. So that's why we had moved them the first time. When we moved across country, they got older. We had them in public school. I moved my two younger kids um, out of public school when COVID happened because of the shutdowns. Um, because the public school had no intention of putting kids back in school. They were not learning from virtual learning. Um, they were not getting social interaction. So we pulled them and put them in private school to have them um, complete through private school. COVID may be over, but the dramatic transformational impact of it and its impact on children is still being felt today. Of all the topics we addressed, none bothered parents more than what happened to education and didn't happen for their own children. Let's hear from the parents. Were any of you surprised when you start to hear what your kids are learning, did any of you, were any of you upset about the content as you're there and your child is learning? My one kids are older, so there wasn't a content issue, but there was definitely a lack of engagement. No one had their screens on. Kids were um, logging in from their bed. Some of them were falling asleep during class. Mm -hmm. um, almost every class, every day was let out early. Um, they were, you know, Taught, teaching for maybe 10 minutes and then assigning a worksheet. So there was a very low level of engagement. Um, I did have a, a, um, one of my kids was a, a senior in an AP statistics class. The teacher didn't know how to use the technology. Um, and so half the time, spent half the time trying to figure out how to turn their screen on and what to do. Like, so a lot of the class time was wasted um, as a result none of the kids in that class took the AP exam at the end of the year because no one felt prepared. Hear more, Charita and then Laura. I, I definitely agree that there was lack of engagement. I mean, I work at home as well, so I was able to monitor my daughter very well, but there were times when I go past the room, she's in the bed, covers on. I'm like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be in class. There are times I come back, she's in the kitchen cooking. I'm like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be in class. And so I was luckily able to monitor her, but I think there was a lot of lack of engagement. She was a little depressed because she couldn't see her friends, not spending time, a little anxiety. Um, but we made it through and she's still at level. So um, it was it was horrible though. <laughs> She was very not engaged. Laura. My biggest issue with the whole homeschooling thing during COVID was my son had an IEP, so he was a little bit different. Um, right. He required more assistance. He required speech therapy. He required, you know, assistance by special education teachers that he also wasn't receiving. So think about how it affected kids who were mainstream at that time. And then talk about my son who struggled, you know, 
to get words out and how it, you know, hindered his, his education. Um, you know, he probably fell even farther behind than he was originally. So now that we know the problems, it's time to hear from parents about what they want and what their students need and deserve from their schools and their teachers. Let's listen in. I want you to explain what you want your child to learn that they're not learning right now. And doesn't matter whether your child is seven or 17, what is the specific area or the specific skill or talent that you so desperately want your child to get that they don't have yet? I'm gonna start with the teacher. I'm gonna start with Quentin right now. I want my children just to have the ability to think critically, um, to understand, not just understand, not just to understand, you know, get to the end, to get the answer, to get it correct, but to be able to explain their re the reasoning behind the answer that they that they chose, that, or how they got to that answer. So, like, just being able to think critically, being able to reason and explain how they got to that point. Patrick. The same as Quentin. Uh, I want to make sure that the kids know how to engage their critical reasoning skills. That's what's going to serve them as they go through life. Uh, Charita. Um, I would like my daughter to be able to take all of the knowledge and things that she learns and be able to apply it to real world uh, you know, real world situations and be able to, cause she's 16 and shortly she's gonna be 18, 21 and be out there in the world. So I want her to be able to think about, you know, her life and her opinions and what she feels, but be able to deal with all of the things that are out there. Um, and basically, I mean, it's basically critical thinking, be able to deal with it and know how to deal with things that come her way in a healthy way. Tanya, specific skill or subject? Um, grit, to know that it's okay to fail, to get yourself back up and keep trying. I think our society today doesn't allow people to fail, even in the schools, like there's no real accountability on kids. I think it's okay to fail. Sometimes when you fail, you learn more. Um, but it's more how you behave afterwards. I don't think we're teaching kids regret. Eric. Conflict management skills. What happens when you have a situation? How do you deal with the conflict and be able to um, it, solve a problem without engaging in violence or let it escalate to something more than what it is? Carla. Um, civics and emotional intelligence. And why for each one? Why for each one? Well, civics, just because I think that the basics of respect, honoring their law, the rules of, and things like that, I think that just helps people be functional in society, regardless of how smart you are, whatever job you have, uh, even in social settings with your family and whatnot. And emotional intelligence, because you can be extremely intelligent, you can be extremely educated. I mean, I, I see this in my job every day. 50 to 60% of my success is being able to get along with others and navigate social situations. By the way, I want to point out to you as you're listening to this, that the answers are not a subject. They're an attribute. They're a life skill, not a topic. 
which is fascinating to me because most people assume that education is about reading and writing or, or history or something or science. And you're all giving me a skill rather than a subject. Laura. Self-reliance. Why? Because that's the biggest thing is everyone's being coddled right now or, you know, being told that their feelings are more important than other things. No, I want him to be self-reliant and to know where to find the facts and in order to be successful in life, because that's something he's going to need to do from now until the day he dies. What would you say to elected officials who have the responsibility for schools, who have the responsibility for teachers, who have the responsibility for education? They will watch this. What do you want them to know? Laura, I'm going to start with you. We need to take away some power from the teachers union, including Randy Weingarten, because we've seen enough of her lately and how they, you know, they function and it's it's completely inappropriate. And just we don't even need the Department of Education. Let's take it back to the states. Now, I've not argued with anyone. I know Randy. She's a friend of mine. She comes to talk to my students. So I want to say something just nice about her as a person. Uh, Patrick, you want to participate. What would you tell the people responsible for education, the elected officials? Do whatever it takes to keep guns and other weapons out of the schools so kids can have a safe environment to learn in. Jason, what advice do you give to the elected officials? I would say get rid of elected school boards. It looks like a disaster. It's a disaster of ideology, and they become more and more focused on themselves rather than the educational process and parents. Becky, you're up. Local control is better. Get the money out of the federal um, Department of Education. Take it away from the state Department of Education. Return it to the local. Local level is always better. EJ, what advice would you have for our elected officials? Are you paying attention? What do you mean? Are you paying attention to the budget? Are you paying attention to what the education, what the curriculum is? And are you understanding what our children are being prepared for in the long term? Not just not just five weeks from now, but five, 10, 15, and 25 years from now. And Stephen. I would tell the officials to focus on protecting the children, making sure they're learning the skills and subject matter they need and focus less on this ideological stuff that while it, it's nice, it does not prepare them for the real world long-term. And Carla. Um, just to really, to really oversee the quality metrics of school teachers and every individual, just like a business does, you oversee the quality, the performance of every individual that works in the system and Nobody has a, a safe job forever. If you're not performing, if a school is not performing, that's something that really has to be overseen. Carla, from your lips to God's ears, let us hope. That was a sobering conversation. The only question I still have, is anyone listening? Does anyone care? And will anyone do something about it? Only time will tell. I'm Dr. Frank Luntz, and this has been America Speaks here on Straight Arrow News. Thank you for listening.